When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another round of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing all right. Just dodging raindrops out here in Mobile, Alabama. Oh yeah, I'm. I've got that. You're at the Senior Bowl because I don't think people mm-hmm. inherently know that's why you'd be in Mobile. But <laughs> you know, there's plenty to do in Mobile. I think I actually think that's not like untrue. They've this is whole... apparently the original birthplace of Mardi Gras. I was just about to say that. I'm, I yeah. I thought I heard. I've never been to Mobile, but I've heard that they've got a huge Mardi Gras, which is not too far from now. Yeah, the Airbnb I'm staying in is decorated with beads and. It's a fun, it's a fun place. You know, it's definitely different. Uh, if you're going to look it up, make sure to Google Mobile Alabama Leprechaun uh, for a good video. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's pretty perfect. But no, it's exciting this week because you have the whole, you know, all of the draft people are here. All of these players from college football that are trying to transition and chase their dreams. So it really is I the think- best week. I think it's so mean because for people who don't know how the senior bowl works for stuff, you have to be a senior to play in it. Uh, but basically they divide you up into two teams an American team and a national team. They give you a coaching staff from either the AFC or the NFC. They gave them the jets and the Lions staffs respectively. And I think that's so mean, like no one Why else. Was mean? Because they're the jets and lions. They're just like, I mean, I'll you say couldn't this. get someone decent. Well, you couldn't get the Chargers staff in for the AFC, maybe. And then on the AFC, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's got to be like someone just putzing about that would be better. Like, I don't, I can't. Maybe like these the guys, these guys are grateful to be learning from NFL people at all. And they're taking in as much <laughs> as they can every day. Um, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm not going to comment here. on the quality, but it's, I'm just I'm it, teasing. That's all. And it, but it, you know what is funny is the the remarked difference um, between the two coaching staff. So in when when they break it up into practice for people who have never mm-hmm. you know uh, heard about Senior Bowl week, um, every day they do practices starting on Tuesday and going all the way till Friday, and you have the uh, national team first for two hours and then the American team after. So you watch you know the first group and then you watch the next group. So it's very easy to compare and contrast what's going on between the two teams. And what we noticed yesterday in the, in day one is that the jet staff, who is the national team is very regimented and detailed and old school drills, like mm-hmm. very like almost militaristic, I would say how they run it. Yeah. Um, and there was some energy, but the other group, you know, run by the lions was way more like loosey goosey. The guys were getting chippy during drills and during during the scenarios and it was just like more fun so i mean take that for what it's worth (laughs) i'll I'll tell you what you can watch some senior bowl practices on espn they usually show like i actually 
I've been watching before we started recording. I was watching one of the uh, the Lions staff practices. There's at one point they started just doing a one-on-one blocking drill between a tight end from San Diego State and I don't know who the defensive lineman was, but I think he was from South Carolina. I'm not certain, but this tight end got blown up twice in a row trying to block him, and they just kept being like, <laughs> "All right," and they're like, "Let's see you try that again," and just one-on-one drill with everyone shouting around. So you're right. From what I've seen, which is minimal, especially compared to you, it's been a little bit loosey goosey. And it's funny, Kim is out there right now, my partner. She's shooting it for us today. I decided to stay in and do some work. But uh, she, it is it is raining. And she called me because they got the Oregon player today. Um, I'm trying to look up my notes here. He, it's not the Bidot, right? Now, let me, hold on one second. I have him in front of me because they just added him to the roster because of the guys that dropped um, out yeah i unfortunately didn't think to write down his name i've got a bunch of senior bowl names written down and no one from oregon no you're totally fine because he was a late ad but oh here we go verone mckinley mm, okay um yeah. he's a he's a safety and a, she called me kim called me because i said i need you to shoot him it's his first day blah 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 and mm. she calls me and she goes this kid just got lit up like ankles broken by some receiver oh. on the other side and she couldn't remember who it was but I'm going to go dig up the clip and try and find it because apparently it was like the entire stadium, like let out a collective gasp. So that was not great for the Pac-12. Yeah, Yeah, not great. Oh, like I said, that's San Diego State tight end. You don't want to get blown back in a blocking drill twice in a row when it's one-on-one and everyone's staring at you not being able to handle some, you know, D-end or whatever. And I, we, we asked them about it today in the media day, you know, how they felt it was going. And a lot of them said the same thing, you know, they haven't played football and touched a football in two months. Mm-hmm. So it, it is rusty. And that's what these three days are kind of about is learning the playbook, shaking off the dust and then getting ready to compete on, on and, Saturday. So, you know I mean? Like I, I'm not an NFL scouter thing, but I think a lot of it is trying to like, see how do guys respond to coaching? Does, is this guy going to be coachable at the next level? Is this guy, the kind right. of guy who, when you tell him something, he needs it explained another time, or is it a guy you can immediately put into action? You know what I mean? And so, so some of it is checking the raw talent, but there's tape to check raw talent. They'll get your 40 yeah. time and all that to check your athleticism. So I think, I think it's a lot more about how they take coaching and how they work together because everyone knows you've got as a quarterback, no chemistry with these wide receivers, for instance, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think honestly, that's where players like Bailey Zappi, who I think has been playing one of the best of the quarterback mm-hmm. group. And I think it's because partially his attitude, he's very mm-hmm. coachable. He, he takes direction. He makes adjustments. You see him seeing the game. And I think that sets him apart from somebody like Kenny Pickett, who obviously has a lot of talent, but you know, I, may not be as easy to work with. I is, is Kenny Pickett down there right now? He is. Yes, he is. He refused to have his hands measured. Was the big news? I mean, that means they're small hands. That means he knows he's got small hands. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think hand size is the silliest thing they do in any part of the NFL draft process. You know what I mean? But like, that just means he's got small hands. If it, like, if I was going to be an NFL like quarterback or prospect, which is obviously like a kind of far fetched joke of a possibility, but like, I wouldn't run the 40 time. Nope. No need for that. I'm slow. <laughs> I'm not going to well, run it. I'll let you know I'm slow. I don't need the video of it happening. He's apparently <laughs> rumored to have 8.25 inch hands. And the biggest concern allegedly, and, and I don't know how 
I, I would have to ask my scout friends, but apparently it's how they might hold up in bad weather. Yep. Uh, he did. He never saw much precip- precipitation in his college career. He played so there's the stat. I guess I, I don't know. Like apparently, no, it's like, not. It wasn't a, a thing. I, and then they said the stat that came out was no NFL quarterback with sub nine inch hands has started a game in the past decade in the NFL. So I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) I I know that there's like things they say about your hand size as a quarterback specifically, like it's going to be harder to grip the ball. Like you said, in bad weather, in cold weather, harder to grip the ball, hard to get your hand around it. Yeah. Like somehow easier to fumble it maybe like, but I also think that that's a lot of like old wives tales for scouting. Like there's like up until a couple years ago, you also had to be six foot four or six foot five to be an NFL quarterback. And like, that's, I think pretty, concisely been proven to be wrong you know well but there 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 are some american players here which is really fun to finally get to connect with them a a few of my favorite in particular you know we got calvin austin yep i was just gonna say the entire cincinnati (laughs) bearcat rosters there well okay so my only everyone's been talking i'm sure you see on twitter everyone's like oh cincinnati showing up at senior bowl okay listen this is my breakdown of that i think jerome ford is the absolute truth. He is a, as I tweeted, a beast among men out there. And it's very, very clear that he is extremely talented. He is small. Okay. And mm-hmm. you can see it when he lines up with some of the other guys, but I think he makes up for it with his speed and his ability to bounce off of people, you know? So I, yeah, he's going to be fine. I don't think that that size matters as much as like it's traditionally made out to be like, we've seen small running backs. You know, I'm a Patriots fan, like Deion Lewis, Danny Woodhead, these guys, no, don't get wrong. They weren't like all pro running backs, but they were good NFL running backs, despite being smaller guys. Like you don't need yeah. to be huge. Uh, Darian Sproles, you know what I mean? Like it, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe some, when a real big guy hits him, there's a light durability concern, but I don't think it's that huge a thing. It's uh, only it, it's only interesting to me when it's noticeable. So, for example, like I've covered Trey McBride mm-hmm. for a while, and he's out here, obviously, and I've always thought him to be fairly large. His wingspan's insane. Like, the width of his arms, they almost drag oh, to his, below his yeah. knees. It's crazy. He's like the consensus top tight end. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that, but yes, okay. I... Okay. I, I I have some, after seeing this group, you know, I have some, some thoughts, but when you watch him standing among these other guys that are here, he's tiny. I mean, like noticeably undersized. And there were even people saying, oh, I think people might use him as a fullback the way he blocks instead of as a tight end. So it was kind of shocking and jarring. Yeah. It was shocking to see. Not at all what I've heard about. I've only heard really good things about him as a tight end prospect. That's funny. Mm I mean, but if you, if you see him out there with guys like, for example, I took a plane flight here uh, from the Bay area to new Orleans. And I mm-hmm. sat next to um, a tight end on the saints from Iowa state. And his name is Dylan. I can't, I can't ever pronounce his last name, but um, he is six, six two fifty, And I'm sitting next to this guy. And then I look at Trey and I can see why people might be concerned about the height, you know, and the, and the, the amount of weight he might need to put on, but Dylan Christian McCaffrey Sonner. didn't look like yeah, Dylan Sonner. Yep. That's him. Really nice guy. I actually want to have him um, on my podcast. Cause he's, he's very interesting. He's got a cool story and that he, we talked about the blocking aspect of the tight end in the NFL and how similar it is to 
you know, the fullback and, and mm-hmm. Trey took, Trey took 70% of his snaps from inline with the Rams. So they know mm-hmm. he can block, but mm-hmm. can he extend out past these guys, his height and snag passes? That's going to be the real question. Yeah. I get, he doesn't look we'll like Gronkowski or Kelsey or someone like that. Right. Yeah, he yeah. he looks more like Kittle, I think, if but not as big as Kittle. I mean, Kittle's bigger, like girth wise, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another one of those prospects and from the American, who I think is incredibly interesting, is Desmond Ritter, who's at the Senior Bowl this week. Because <laughs> I I've heard some people say that they think he's the top quarterback off the board. I've heard other people, including myself, who think not so much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think he's one of those guys who's a bit divisive in terms of what you think about him. So I don't know. How's he look so far? I mean, he he looks all right. I thought, honestly, he got caught up a lot in day one. And, and again, it's maybe it's just shaking off rust of game scenarios, but he was sacked several times. He, you know, was a little slow in his release. And, and I know you're working with new guys and you have to allow for that, but he did not look as sharp as like Bailey's at the, in my opinion. So um, yeah. mm-hmm. is he more prototypical? Like when it comes to what you're looking for in an NFL quarterback, probably, but I think Carson Strong is, I think Carson Strong is is an equally intriguing prospect just from the way that he plays game scenarios and when I watch him. So, yeah, well, I don't know. I I've often I've said this before, so it's not new. But I've often said that Ritter struggles when he's forced to throw downfield from the pocket. He, he yeah. doesn't ever really look comfortable doing that when he has to. Yeah, like. At Cincinnati, they ran a lot of RPO, so he was very good at making decisions within that system, but he usually wasn't going off his second read when he had to make a pass. It was a lot of slants. It was a lot of uh, flat routes. It was, you know, not, and when they went deep, Alec Pierce had really good hands and could make catches on not always the best ball, and a lot of times he was doing it from outside the pocket. That's not how an NFL system is going to operate for him, and I just, I thought against Alabama, we saw him struggle against a team that said throw from the pocket and he couldn't for most of the game is yeah. against Alabama. He held onto the ball for too long too, and was like hesitant and stuck like that. So, you know, I don't know if it's just the speed of the game he's adjusting to and everyone's in a full caliber or what, but I mean, I don't think he's a top quarterback off the board. I would agree <laughs> with you on that one, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean, you know, I, we don't always see what they see. And I think everybody loves yeah. his personal story. They love his personality. They like that. He's a leader. They like that. He's a serious guy. He's got a family already, you know? So, and yeah. the NFL, they look at that. So, yeah. you know, no, he, he does check a lot of other boxes, but yeah. at the end of the day, either you can get it done on the field or you can't like, I, I know that like they, Josh Rosen got super highly criticized because, oh, he like comes from money. So therefore he doesn't need football. And there's plenty to criticize Josh Rosen for as a prospect, you know, and he turned out bad in the NFL, but that just wasn't one of them. So I think they sometimes yeah, but really weird about it. You know? Signs along the way in like, if you knew UCLA, you knew yeah. Rosen there. There was immature. so many red flags. Yeah, he's yes. definitely immature and like spoiled, but that's different than he's rich. So therefore he doesn't need to try at the NFL level. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think. I think immature th- is one thing. And you know, like Rosen's not the only guy to come out and be immature. Johnny Manziel is the perfect example of all the talent in the world, but didn't have the maturity to enter the NFL when he did or be that famous yeah. when he was. So like, I get it. There's issues that can come from that. I just don't think that it's, 
I, I think that guys are judged way too harshly sometimes on the actions of themselves when they're 19. Cam Newton was ju- judged very harshly when he went to Auburn about. Cam Newton stole his teammate. He stole his teammate's laptop. Okay. Like yeah. that. I think I you should be judged, judged harshly for that. Well, you know, like I mean, what kind of character do you have when you're like, two years what like, is that? Well, no, don't get me wrong. That, that was the wrong thing to do. But like two, three years later, you can expect some growth from people from when they were very young. That's all. I hope that he would grow from it. And that's what you hope for these guys. But as was the case with Josh Rosen, he did not grow up from it. Yeah. He just stayed that same person. So I think that's the gamble that you're taking on guys like Ritter is he's yeah. a good person, a good kid. You hope that he stays that way. And, and then you take the guys that are immature and you hope that they grow and develop, but it's a gamble. You don't know that they will. So yeah. nobody has a crystal ball, especially not me. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still, a lot of great players there, you know, a lot of great small school players. That's something that I tend to like about the senior bowl is that they, it's not yeah. just like here, are all the sec all-stars, you know, like there's like Troy Anderson from Montana state there. You get yeah. Isaiah likely from coastal. It's nice to get that variety. Speaking of Isaiah likely, that was one of the guys I think gives Trey McBride a run for his money from a sheer skills, technical, like, aspect and he has been having phenomenal days down here mm-hmm. people are very impressed with him from the scouts that i spoke to they obviously they hadn't coastal is like one of those teams much like colorado state that you don't always see on tv you don't always hear about yeah. you know these guys and what they're doing but um mm-hmm. and that was the case with isaiah but people are definitely taking notice with him he's long he's lean he has the best work ethic and attitude that i've ever ever yeah. seen in a guy like that and yeah, I, I like and, him. He's going to be good. Awesome. And yeah, like I said earlier, the senior bowl, like a lot of it is what's that work ethic? Like what's your attitude like in practice more so than how fast are you or can you run this route tree? Because they know what or not you can. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. You're down there for what? Uh, until the end of the week through the game? We actually are leaving tomorrow. They they uh, okay. moved they move practices indoors and media cannot wow. attend due to COVID protocol. So um, we will be heading out, go back to new Orleans, fly home, go to the Pebble beach pro-am this weekend, and then drive um, down to the super bowl on Monday. So, so you are busy then. Yeah. A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> At least uh, good, you're not a 49ers fan. Are you? No, God, no, God, okay. no, no. Uh, I didn't know because you're from the Bay Area, so like, yeah, you never know. no, insufferable. I cannot. I'm, I'm actually very <laughs> glad. I'm glad that I know. I'll say it. I'm glad the Niners lost because the fan base has become insufferable. They, they do not win with grace. It's not fun to be around Niners fans like that when they're winning. And, and Jimmy G failed upwards. I mean, Jesus Christ, like he. I don't understand how someone can get so lucky, but be that, you know, and be that bad as an NFL quarterback. So I'm just glad that charade is, he is not fine. And charade is over. He's very average. Exactly. And the fact that he's been almost to two Super Bowls is wild. Uh, He should have won one Super Bowl. And they frankly should have gone to this one. If Kyle Shanahan wasn't such a klutz in the fourth, Yeah. Klutz in the fourth quarter of game. (laughs) Imagine not going forward on fourth and two there yeah well imagine 
the way he managed, he managed the, he blew a 10.4th quarter lead to the Chiefs in that Super Bowl. And he was the offensive coordinator yeah. for Atlanta for the 28 3 Super Bowl. He cannot hold oh a lead. Oh my God. He cannot hold a lead. He's That's crazy. Mad. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one who called back-to-back pass plays where Matt Ryan got sacked and they had a holding call to take the Falcons out of field goal range with like four minutes left in that Super Bowl. Would have almost right. started, like probably would have ended the game just because it was in one more score that the Patriots would have had to score, and they couldn't do it. Jeez, crazy, beautiful, beautiful play calling, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> anyways, you also had a story go up recently on Trey mm. McBride, who's there. Uh, I thought it got a good amount of attention to, which it deserved because it was really well written. It's on underdog dynasty. So go look it up if you haven't had the chance yet, but there's a really great story for those who don't know. Trey McBride's parents are a lesbian couple there and he was raised by yep. them. And it's this whole, it's a completely unique situation from so many other people in the very male dominated sport and very, you know, everything is about testosterone and who can hit harder. Yeah. Who's the biggest. I thought it was just yeah. a really interesting perspective about everything. Yeah. You know, it, I appreciate that because I was very nervous about that story and, and I worked on it for a long time. I, when I first heard about Trey McBride and his situation, it was actually from Jim Nagy, a conversation, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the senior bowl, former scout, he and I were chatting about tight ends for national tight end day. And he said, you got to check this guy out. We're going to have him as our number one tight end at the mm-hmm. senior bowl. And he, he said, you know, we think he's going to go first round. That's what they think. Or they, mm-hmm. that's what he said to me. And so I was like, man, I got to check this guy out. So I, I look into it and he goes, yeah, by the way, I think, you know, his family situation is very unique and you should look into it. So I find out that he was raised by, you know, two strong women and they were the first lesbian couple in, in their town of Fort Morgan where mm-hmm. the kids grew up. And, and one of the moms, Kate, had all five children uh, herself, you know, and yeah, which is incredible. I mean, there's a lot of, there was some misinformation saying that it was in vitro and all this stuff, but she actually gave birth to all five children. uh, One set was twins. Trey is actually a twin. Mm. His twin Dylan is a, was a collegiate wrestler. Um, So I just was like, I got to meet these women because how incredible to raise four boys and four athletes People don't realize that Trey's older brother, Toby, also played at Colorado State. It was a yeah. defensive lineman there with him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of crazy, you know, in this day and age to to see something like that. One of the moms is a Jen is a sheriff in the Fort Morgan, you know, sheriff's department 16 years. And the other mom, Kate, ra- raises golden retrievers and works with nonprofits and is incredible. So I flew out, talked to him. I was like, I gotta tell your story. They trusted me with it, which I appreciate. And I tried to do it as much justice as I could while impressing on people that this is history being made. When he gets drafted in likely the first or second round, he'll be the first NFL player with a, with lesbian parents to, to be drafted. So we're, we're seeing this piece of history and, and to be a part of that was really cool. So they're coming out here tomorrow, his whole family. So I'm excited to see him. Awesome. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> that's, that's up on underdog dynasty. So check it out. If you haven't, it is really good. Uh, the other big piece of college football news right now is that the day we're recording, it's about four 45 right now on national signing day. And it's a whole, (laughs) I'm writing a pretty big roundup right now about for the AAC, but you know, this signing day is not what it used to be. Do you remember? I'm, I know you remember, but do you remember (laughs) what it used to be where 
it was basically all day long players are committing and flipping like on the spot and everyone had to sign this one day and it was like this panic day of like every <laughs> like there was a million stories a minute and you had to like pick and choose what you're focusing on I never really got too invested in um in the recruiting aspect of it just because it's so massive I mean just to have to know all these things about high school recruits and their stars and all this stuff like I can't, yeah. I can't keep up so I never got really super invested so that's fair I I always feel a little <laughs> bit gross about hey ooh, let's watch the 16 year old run routes I'm like no that's okay I don't need to do that but I do tend to take like I 24 7 sports is what I think is generally the uh, industry consensus best at what they do because they do consensus yeah. right they do consensus rankings based on the other uh you know, different places that do these things like rivals and ESPN and them than their own rankings. And they, so they do a pretty good job of it. Uh, and I just sort of like take what they say and I don't actually pay that much attention to the individual recruits myself. I'll let whatever they scouted them as be my guide, because like I said, I'm not, I'm in the same boat of, I don't want to pay too much attention to individual high schoolers and where they're going. Yeah. But I am interested always to see how the different classes break down, how different coaches approach recruiting, who's recruiting well and all that stuff, because it does affect the future of your program. You know, like, yeah. I don't like the, the idea that your star ranking matters isn't really true on an individual basis. You know, like Mackenzie Milton for UCF was a two-star. I think Desmond Ritter was a two-star. Like you can be a low-rated prospect and, be great. And you can be a high rated five-star prospect, go to Alabama and never see the field because it turns out you're actually no good. Like, but that's on right. an individual basis on the whole, on the aggregate, whoever has the higher recruiting class usually has the most talent. You know, there's a reason Cincinnati yeah. for the past like five years has had the top class in the American. And it's because, well, I, I strike that reverse. If there's a reason why since I is the top team in the American right now, it's because basically the last five years they've had the top class and they developed talent well. And it's a mixture of things. So I see, like I think I agree with you in that it's the, it is that, but it's the development because you look at Stanford, mm -hmm. I'm going to use them as an example. And they have, you know, routinely had high recruiting classes since the Andrew Luck days, you know, since Christian McCaffrey days. And there has been a steady decline and downturn mm -hmm. in the development of said players. So I think the key word you said was development. Like, yes, you have to have the high one to be good, but you also have to take these young kids that are nowhere near generally the need, the level of competition that it takes to go from high school to college right away. And you have to develop them as players, which means you have to learn who they are, how they respond to things, get them in there. That's nutrition. That's strength training, you know, such a big mm -hmm. part. So I think you nailed fair. it with that. Yeah. It, it is that balance because whether they're, like I said, whether they're like a five-star going to Georgia or a zero star going to Navy, you do need to develop the player into being. <laughs> Ouch. Right. Well, okay. We, I've talked about so much with Navy. Navy doesn't recruit the same way anyone else does other than army and air force. So we know why they're military academies. They're incredibly hard. No, to but get zero into. stars. You couldn't well, even give them one, just like a one star. I don't think they do one star. I think it basically is five, four, three, it's two, always zero. zero. I think it's five, four, three, two, oh. zero. I don't Jeez. think I've ever seen a That's one star. That's really mean. That's mean. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to like petition to get that changed. I don't like that. Well, then what are you going to do with all the zero stars who are really a zero star? Well, then, you know, then you get, I don't know, then you don't get graded because that's how bad you are. 
Some guys don't get funded. Um, That's why a zero star candidate is. Uh, then don't say zero. Just say no grade. That at least okay. feels like. I mean, anyways, my, my point is it helps if you yeah. can get good talent and develop it well. But, you, you know, it starts with getting that good talent. And if you're starting with lesser talent, not to be like rude to the teams that end up bringing in that quote unquote lesser talent, you can develop it very well. But there sometimes is a ceiling cap just to how good it can get. That's all. Uh, 100%. Uh, I agree. I want to do a quick uh, re- senior bowl re-shout out because it okay. just came across my my desk right here. Desmond Ritter threw the furthest pass by air distance, 62.5 yards on a deep route down the sideline to Bo Melton. The pass was also the highest initial spin rate recorded on a pass in the national practice today. 673.9 RPM. Uh, Anybody rate. out there... Spin rate season. <laughs> so anybody out there that's big into that, that's courtesy of Zebra Technology that's out here. I think it's really cool that they do those measures. I mean, it, it may not mean anything, but it's interesting to me when they take those measurements. So I, I guess there you go. Desmond Ritter is setting records already. The other person I wanted to shout out was Chris Paul, the offensive tackle from Tulsa, had an incredible day one where people were commenting that he – Looks like his old self again. So shout out the <laughs> Golden it. Hurricane, Chris Paul, doing big things, hopefully going to get drafted and keep mm. Tulsa in the NFL. Well, Zayvon Collins is there, so. I said uh, keep no. him. I didn't say get him. I just said keep <laughs> okay, him okay. there. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was my AAC, you know, as I'm getting well, together. So speaking many of Tulsa, here. though. Old Tulsa friend of Caleb Evans is there too, but he's probably wearing a Missouri lid. Just throwing that one out there too. For the yeah, American there are. Team. It's funny, funny to see guys. There are a lot of guys here that are former teammates of each other because of you know the whole transfer portal and last. Yeah, it's changed everything, so it's kind of fun. We got to record earlier with a kid named um, Mario uh, Goodrich from Clemson. He's a mm. he's a CB, and he was reunited with his buddy. Darion Kendrick from Georgia, who actually started at Clemson and then transferred to Georgia, and they've been going against each other. Yeah. We had Mario interview. He wants to be a sports broadcaster one day, so we had him interview um, Darion. So that that interview is actually on my Twitter. If people want to check it out, it's pretty funny. Awesome, absolutely. Back to the recruiting stuff. I know. Sorry. I circled out of that real quick. No worries. I just was like, I saw this and I was like, I got to mention one, you know, I've been harsh on Desmond Ritter. So I wanted to give him, give him the credit. You know, his yeah. due for that. 100, yeah. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, actually, I've got one more thing to say really quickly about this. Okay. Let's do it. There are so many Cincinnati players there. Plus, you know, South Gardner's not mm-hmm. even there. And he's, you know, obviously moving on to the NFL too. I have to think they take a decline. There's just so there's way too much talent there for them to be ready to replace it at every single position. That's all I want to say real quick because I didn't mean to earlier. Yeah, I know. There's, like, there's no way good. they no way they don't take a step back with all that talent moving on. Anyways, back to recruiting. Yeah. Uh, back. Like like I said earlier, there's like a million different recruiting sites now that you can go to. Twenty four seven rivals. Uh, ESPN does the recruiting stuff, though I don't think they do it particularly well. To be honest with mm-hmm. you, it's very Power Five centric, and I just don't think they do a good job of it. It's not their focus as a company, and it's like a side thing they do. Uh, and then there's like yeah. this, this new one on three, which was founded by the same guy who does twenty, who or who made twenty four seven. I think he also made Rivals. So like, he just like 
I forget the guy's name right now, but his whole model of like businesses building recruiting sites and selling them to like CVS and Fox for tons and tons of money. So that's a great gig if you can get it, uh, you know, work out <laughs> well for him. Um, yeah. So there's a million of them, but 24 seven, I think is generally the industry standard. If you're, ta- if a site's going and they don't, or sorry, if a site's talking about a class and they don't have their own rankings to work off of, uh, you know, in that rankings, they've kind of broken it up. Now there's the overall class rankings, then the recruit rankings and transfer portal rankings. And you see a little bit of a difference in that and how teams have attacked. Like UCF is the Americans top team overall, but since he's got a top recruiting team, but UCF brought in like 10 transfers and Gus's first year there, which makes them the top recruit or the, sorry, the top transfer team. So they're best overall in the aggregate kind of deal. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I was going to say, like, it's, it e- to you. it's easier if you I'll just go to 24 seven site and just play around a little bit at the recruiting rankings, you know, visual okay. representation of it. But, uh, you know, the overall rankings is kind of what I'm looking at. Here's what I'm saying when I get at this. So like recognize now that, you know, the, the freshmen coming into the school out of high school rankings are different than the overall rankings on 24 seven right now. But it, right, right now it's UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, top three. Those are the three teams moving to the Big 12. They've got pretty much the most resources in the conference. They've had most of the recent success, too, as a group. That's not surprising in any way. After that, it's Memphis, who's had a lot of recent success and invests a lot there. USF, after that, who is finally starting to invest in the program and has been hitting the transfer portal hard, very hard in the portal. <laughs> hard. You know, from there, it kind of goes the way you think it would for the most part. SMU comes in next. They're in a coaching change. Tulane, ECU, Tulsa. T- so here's my thoughts on SMU. You know, I, I was never really big on the train during the season. I was not a huge Johnny Dykes fan. Um, I was not really impressed by the hire because I didn't understand it. And you tried to explain it to me. I still didn't really, don't really get it. It's something I think I need to see put into practice. But there's a big but. I have been impressed with the support staff that has been hired around the program. Yeah, for sure. SMU is investing a lot of money in football right now. I think there's a few teams in the conference that the big 12 taking, you know, Houston, UCF, since was a wake up call too. I think SMU, it was a huge financial wake up call and they've had a couple of them in recent years. Like I know June Jones, back when he was the SMU coach at AAC media days in like 2014 said that SMU was finally getting around to investing in facilities and they're just doing it 20 years after say TCU was his comparison. And that's why TCU (laughs) got the call up to the big 12 and SMU was still struggling to get to that point. Now I think they're saying, Oh shoot, that wasn't enough. We have to kick it up a notch again. They've got, I wrote an article about the financial things going on. And I wrote an article specifically about a $50 million donation SMU received. So like in both of those, I talk about SMU is spending money to get good. USF yeah. is finally, basically it took UCF going to the big 12 and passing yeah. USF in terms of conference yeah. prestige to get USF to build an indoor practice facility. Finally. And someone on like the board of trustees shouting about an on-campus stadium. It, it took a lot to get to these points for a few of these teams. And 
you know, the wake up calls there. And yeah, SMU support staff is a great example of that. Yep. That was just my two cents on that, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to your article on all these recruiting classes because it's so important to the future of and these it, programs. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to do a quick breakdown on all of them in one big piece and see how that looks at the end of it. And hopefully I don't need to break into smaller, more digestible pieces. Uh, for sure. The w- one last thing I'll say about those temp as a, Tulsa way back the 121st ranked class in the country coming off this year where they won a bowl game is really, yeah. really, really bad. I don't know what's going on. Philip Montgomery's never been a great recruiter to Tulsa and Tulsa's not an easy place to recruit to, but that's egregiously bad. There's only 130 FBS teams. Yeah. You should not be back there. That last 10 should be UMass, UConn, and the Mac, basically. It should <laughs> not, you know, I mean, it just it should not be Tulsa. You should be able to go into Texas and get more talent. Right. Uh, you know, that's, that's all I had to say about it. Like I said, hopefully for tomorrow, yeah. same day as this podcast, that's Thursday, uh, February 3rd, I'll have that article up maybe a little bit later, depending on how long it takes me to properly research and write. But that's the goal anyways. Keep uh, your eyes out for it, fam. Exactly. Uh, hopefully Wi-Fi issues haven't clogged us up too much, but we're having, <laughs> I think we're having a good time with it anyways. Uh, yeah. you know, those are all our big stories right now. We're in the off season. And after this, yeah. it's going to basically be just the draft to look forward to for a little while. And we'll have, which I love. I do. I love I, it. I'm a big draft person too, but we, we can only talk about it so, so much before it gets like, you know, throwing another coat of paint on the wall and another coat of paint on the wall and another coat of paint on the wall. You know, at some point it's been done, but we'll find ways to keep it entertaining this off season. I'm sure. I Uh, will definitely be out in search of those human interest stories that'll try and keep it fresh for people instead of just X's and O's. So 100%. Uh, You can find me at, yeah. Yeah. You cut out just like halfway through that thought, but it was a quick thought at least uh all right good stuff love technology you can find me at dan underscore morrison 96 yeah. on twitter you can find me at mlm on twitter and instagram that's e-m-i-l-n-e-m all right and we're off 